0: Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning, in this, our service that we've dedicated to your worship. Lord, we just ask that you would guide and direct each part of the service, that you would bless, and Lord, that we would bless you with our singing, and, and Lord, that none of us would withhold from you what is rightfully yours. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that happens here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The rest of us, let's open our Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, we have two theme verses this year. And again, not every sermon the whole year is going to be about this, but uh, this theme... That we have chosen for this year is going to be a little more difficult than some of the others have been. And that is purposeful. We want to see the Lord grow and, and build up our church and use us in ways that we have not been used hitherto. But 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy Now, we've spent the last several weeks on the first part of that verse, about being living stones, about being built into uh, the wall, into that building, that God has uh, designed us to be a spiritual house, and uh, uh, if you cannot understand that that spiritual house is a local, visible assembly uh, please, as as, uh, as often my please see me afterwards, uh, we'll try to help you through that thing. Uh, but that is the theme of the New Testament, is the local church. And saying local church is like saying wet water, but it just, we have so many ideas and so much false teaching about the church that We normally have to put that in there so people understand. We're talking about a local, physical assembly of believers. God is interested in what goes on in his churches. And he wants us to be interested. We are to be built up that spiritual house, the the Bible says, in holy priesthood. And here's what we're supposed to do to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. This morning, we're, we're assembled here. We call this our worship service. And, and if we're going to do that, we, we need to actually live this verse together. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And, and if you study your Bible at all, just a cursory reading, you're going to come across the idea of sacrifice. Uh, it's in your Bible, it's all the way through, uh, especially the first five books of the Bible, all about the sacrifices, and and uh, they're there, and history tells us, and History uh, not uh, paints some very, very dramatic pictures for us. They tell us that in Jesus' day, in the city of Jerusalem, as he would come to Passover, that uh, there would be somewhere uh, between 100 and 120,000 lambs sacrificed on that day. And the blood of each one of those lambs was poured out at the altar in the temple. And those that are supposed to know these things have recorded that the uh, blood of those sacrifices would seep through the paving stones there in the temple and literally paint the side of the mountain that Jerusalem was built on red with the blood of the sacrifices. That's a... Terrible picture, is it not? And of course, we have the uh, uh, people for the unethical treatment of humans uh, and ethical treatment of animals talking about how that, uh, that, that's cruelty and all of these things. And it's amazing to me, those that want to save the seals are the first ones standing in line to murder the babies. Uh, that, that bothers me terribly. And they want to find fault in God for having human sacrifice and and for uh, constant... human sacrifice, I'm sorry. We'll get that in a minute. Uh, uh, The sacrifice of all of those animals and there is no way to account. Read the story of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. There were literally tens of thousands of animals offered on that day. I want you to understand that The idea of sacrifice starts in Genesis chapter 3 and goes all the way to Revelation chapter 22. But I'm glad that I'm here today to tell you that the sacrifices that God desires from us are spiritual in nature. You see, one of the reasons God presented those sacrifices of animals all down through the history of the Old Testament was because he wanted us to understand one thing. The horribleness of our sin. Let me tell you something. It would do something to you. It would do something to each one of us if we had to go into the temple there in Jerusalem and stand in line with a lamb or sometimes even a, a, a yearling bullock that would be several hundred pounds, we'd, you would have that thing on, on a leash of some type. Sometimes maybe you'd have two or three people there to help you control uh, the movement of that animal and you would have to get there to the... the, the um, Entrance to the inner court, and then you would put your hands on that animal and you would confess your sins. Openly, out loud, in front of all those witnesses. And then you would watch the the priests and their servants, the Levites, come up and, and they would gather around that animal and steady it so it wouldn't move. And one of them would be holding a silver bowl made of pure silver. And the priest would insert a knife that was razor sharp and slit one of the juggler veins in that animal and the blood would begin to spurt out and it would begin to stain the, the, the coat of that animal red and it would begin to actually fill the bowl with that blood. I'll tell you what. That'd be something you wouldn't want to repeat very often now, would it? Boy, it's got quiet. But if you can imagine the temple in Jesus' day, people would be standing in line all day. Sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. The, The fire on the brazen altar that was before the entrance to the temple and... Even before that at the tabernacle, that fire was never to go out. The Jewish people claim that when they came back under Zerubbabel and Shethiel and and, uh, set up the temple there, that they kindled the fire on that altar in front of the temple as it was being rebuilt. And that that fire didn't go out until 70 AD when the Roman legions leveled the city of Jerusalem. I I can't verify that, but that is the claim the historians made and that would be in keeping with what the Bible says to do. And unlike the wonderful smells that happen in the kitchen when we take a nice piece of red meat and fry it up or bake it in the oven. The burning of the sacrifice would sometimes include the entire animal and bones and all of those things. It it wasn't a a pleasant smell. It it would have been much more arsed and, and, and harsh. You see... God wanted us to understand something. Sacrifice was never meant to be fun. Sacrifice always cost something. Sacrifice was to be an unpleasant experience. Sacrifice was to remind us that all of the countless. Hundreds of thousands of animals that were offered on the temple in Jerusalem wouldn't match one moment of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, we, we live in a world where everything is sanitized and, and, and kept clean and so many of the terrible things that used to be a part of life and death are just no longer with us because they can give you so much medication that you don't struggle against death like used to happen years ago. And that may be a good thing. I'm not trying to comment one way or another, but we, we need to understand something Death is never pleasant. Death is never welcomed. Even when we're talking about the sacrificial animals. God was not pleased with all of that. But let me ask you a question. Has mankind learned his lesson? Uh, To borrow a phrase from Jesus, I trow not. We, We have yet to learn the horribleness of sin. If we could only understand. How offensive our sins are to God. It would change us. It would encourage us to follow those biblical commands. And yet, the Bible here says that that we're built up a spiritual house, that we're an holy priesthood, and we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And and those spiritual sacrifices are to be acceptable to God. How? By Jesus Christ. How many of you remember the sacrifice of Cain and Abel? Read it in your Bible. So somebody said, well, where did they learn to sacrifice? Well, how many of you remember the story of Adam and Eve when they were pushed out of the garden? God took those animals and he killed them and he made coats and covering for Adam and Eve. This this idea of cavemen and women running around naked and dragging the woman by the head of her hair that is just the imagination of the national pornographic I mean geographic society and, and people of their ilk who just simply have nothing better to do than to try to say that we got here by accident I, I will tell you we were created in the image of God and God killed those animals and Adam and Eve had to sit there in horror and watch those animals die and be skinned out and, and, and those skins turned into clothing and then they had to put it on. I'll, I'll tell you what, if you've ever watched that process or ever had to do that, that's not a pleasant thing. And yet Adam and Eve had to understand that the only covering for their sins For their nakedness before God was the death of these innocent animals. Aren't you glad we don't have to offer bloody sacrifices today? You see, every one of those Old Testament sacrifices pointed to God's great sacrifice, Jesus Christ. That's why the words are up here behind me. It is finished because Jesus took on him all sin for mankind. And you see, what he wants us to do here today is offer a spiritual sacrifice. Not like Cain, not of our own effort, not the best that we can do. He wants us to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And the only way that sacrifice can be acceptable is by Jesus Christ. So let's... Uh, use our Bible as a commentary. This morning I want us to uh, examine spiritual sacrifices. And let's go to the book of Hebrews. And, of course, uh, the Bible is the book that explains the Bible. Amen? It is the best commentary. If you want to understand your Bible, read it. Uh, spend some time in it. And let's just start in verse 1. We're going to read through down, down through verse 10 and then pick up verse 14. It says, for the law, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? How many of you have having a problem understanding what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? You are reading one of the most theologically deep passages in your entire Bible. And yet, there's a very simple understanding here. All those sacrifices if they had actually brought about a true forgiveness and a true separation from the penalty of sin, there would have come a time when they no longer needed to offer them. Are we all together on that? But those sacrifices were offered every year. And the Bible tells us that even in the New Jerusalem, there There will be a rebuilt temple and and there will be sacrifices offered not for forgiveness of sin, but to remind us and to worship God for the great work which He did in forgiving us our sins. We will never, ever get past the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 3, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not. But a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure... Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, an offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Could I challenge you, that you cannot offer a spiritual offering acceptable to God by Jesus Christ until you first bring your sin-sick soul just as it is and offer it to God. You know, we have people out there that preach against repentance and uh, they call it lordship salvation and... uh, I didn't think anybody was dumb enough to believe those things, but I've met a few over the years that say, unless you're sinlessly perfect, you're not saved. Uh, If you're that foolish, there's very little I can do to help you, amen? But the simple truth of the matter is, if you're not willing to surrender the authority, the direction, the ownership, everything you are to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's not going to save you. Can we say amen to that? How many of you remember the struggle that was in your soul that you went through until you came to that point to where you finally gave up and said, Jesus, here I am. Maybe we didn't use the same words, but the publican prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen? Amen? When we finally surrender and said it's not anything that I can do, it's not anything I am or ever can be, I, I cannot take away one of my sins, let alone all of my sins, and I bring myself to you. Paul put it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth The Lord Jesus, the only one Lord Master. Jesus, Savior, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Why? Because that is God's sacrifice for my sins. And what he wants me to do is to bring my worthless, hell-bound soul say, God, I give it to you. That's a sacrifice. Amen? That's the first sacrifice God will accept. And until he has received that one, nothing else you can do will be pleasing unto God. Because there is only one true sacrifice for sin. That was finished by the work of Jesus Christ and He offers to us a free gift if only we will surrender our lives to Him. I am so glad as the pastor of this church that I can tell you salvation is not in this church. It's not something this church can give you. It's not something this church can take away. In fact, truly and honestly in every sense of the situation, Uh, this church is non-topical to you until you have come and made that spiritual sacrifice. You can't be a member until you're saved and baptized the Bible way. And if you haven't dealt with those things, I would challenge you, let's, let's not put that off. Let's be honest before God. Because our duty is to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. But the only way they can be acceptable is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's the one that saves us. Many years ago, in fact, we were picking up that organ at a church in Brooklyn. And my wife will remember this. The organist was there showing us everything. And and uh, he said, what, what kind of church is you I said, we're a Baptist church. Oh, okay. And he sat down and played. I found a friend who's all to me. And, I mean, he went through the course. And I mean, that building, it was 2,000 seat auditorium with a big balcony and everything. And He had that thing cranked up as loud as it would go. And I mean, the place just ran. And I'm sitting there going, wow. He said, but... He said, yeah, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And we sing that song. And I'm going, how do you sing that song when you you believe, if you don't keep your salvation, you lose it? How, How can you sing that song? Think trusting in yourself to keep your salvation. Or, it was in a Presbyterian church where the organ is, trusting that you are one of the elect that you can't know. Uh, the, the elect can't lose their salvation, but they can't know that they're saved until they're already dead. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of faith is that? What kind of offering of praise to God is that? How many are with me this morning? You sing those songs. The solid rock. Well, I'll tell you what, it does something for me as a preacher to see everybody waving their Bibles, waving the answer back to heaven. Uh, sometime we ought to just get a camera up here and take a videotape and play it for you. I mean, it just uh, it's just a blessing to my heart because this is the answer. And, and we sing those songs as an offering to God, but if the spiritual reality... Does not dwell within you. How can that be an acceptable sacrifice to God? Hello? You see, that special this morning, God wants to hear you sing, I I love that song. It just makes me feel like blubbering the whole way through. But since I'm on the platform, I'm the preacher, I can't do that. Sometimes I do anyway. You see, Paul and Silas were in prison. They had been beaten unjustly. They had been accused wrongly. There was nothing right legally, ethically, morally about their treatment. And yet, what did they do? They sang praises to God. And God showed up. He shook that building just enough to open every prison cell and to unlock every shackle in the place. I'll tell you what, that's some pretty selective shaking. How about you? Sometimes you just put a little imagination there and wonder if he just sent... Uh, A troop of angels in there to go, all the handcuffs and shackles on the floor and bust everything open and rip the doors out. And, you know, you get 50, 100 angels running through a little prison, it's going to be an earthquake. I mean, everything's going to be shaken. I mean, they're, they're mighty beings. I'm glad we can't see them because if there were any here today, we'd be all so scared to death we wouldn't be able to do anything. And yet, God sends his servants to do these things. Why? Because there was a sacrifice offered, a spiritual sacrifice that was acceptable to God. And God had a greater purpose than Paul and Silas, didn't he? How in the world was the Philippian jailer ever going to hear the gospel? Unless a preacher went to jail first. You ever thought about that? Let's go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. If you're familiar with the Psalms, you should have just read this a week or so ago in your Bible reading. This is the Psalm that David wrote when he was confronted with his sin of adultery and murder with Bathsheba and all of those terrible things. But look at verse uh, 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Here's a spiritual sacrifice that God always receives. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. Have you ever wondered why sometimes God has to put us through, uh, we use the the phrase, just got put through the ringer? How many of you have any idea what that's talking about? It's, it's talking about the old hand crank washing machines. Anybody ever seen one of those things? My mother had scars all her life because one of the first ones with a motor. She was a little girl and stuck her fingers in between the rollers, and it just scarred her arm from the middle of her bicep down to the middle of her forearm. As a little girl, she was stuck in that ringer until someone came and was able no, no safeties in those days. Uh, when when we use going through the ringer, I mean, we're, we're talking about being pressed and, 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 and just absolute life-altering circumstances and 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 that's what a broken spirit is. They they tell us if you're going to ride horses, and this is one of the reasons I'm, you know, people accuse me of cruelty to animals and all of that. One of the reasons I'm not just a big fan of riding horses is because every time you get on a horse, you have to, in in essence, re-break that horse. That's what they call it, breaking the horse. Uh, Because a horse was not made by God for you to sit on it, all right? Uh, They do a very good job of that, but those horses that work that way have to be trained. How many of you have ever seen the rodeos where the guy gets bucked up in the air and thrown off the horse and lots of funny songs and movies about all that stuff? But that's what a horse will do naturally. I remember riding some horses. It was, Peter was real little. His, I, I want to ride a horse. I want to ride a horse. And so we went to this place, and man, I got on this mean old nag, uh, and I, I understood right away that that horse had not been well cared for. I had to pull the bit. Every moment I was in that horse, she tried to rub me against the fence and knock me off on a tree branch. And, I mean, it was just not a very pleasant experience. And they said, well, the only way it really works is you've got to spend enough time to build a relationship with a horse. I said, well, i got too many kids for that. I, I, I'm going to work on building a relationship with my kids. You take the horses, all right? It takes a lot of work. But one of the reasons why we have all of these terrible crimes against humanity, and I don't have time to explain everything I'm going to say right now, but it's not the guns. It's the unbroken spirits that carry the guns. That's what the problem is. It is... Those that have never been told no. They don't understand the meaning of the word. They have never been stopped in anything they wanted to do. They've never been trained at all. How do you deal with a person like that? Well, history tells us you wait until they shoot themselves. Or somebody else has to do it. It's, it's not a pleasant thought. It's, it's, there's no answer for an unbroken spirit. You know, we live in a world where no one is sorry for sin. How many of you remember in Ezekiel chapter 9, the destruction of Jerusalem was coming? It was very near, and God told Ezekiel, He said, I'm going to destroy the city of Jerusalem. And Ezekiel interceded and said, God, how, aren't you going to leave somebody? And all of a sudden, a man with an inkhorn appeared. And God said, I want you to put a mark on the people in Jerusalem that sigh for the sins. Ezekiel chapter 9, read it this afternoon. He said, then I'm going to send my slayers to slay, and I want you to slay everyone in the city, old and young, and have no pity on anyone except those people that have that mark because they were upset at sin. You know, sometimes people will say, Pastor, do you have to name sin? Do you have to be so upset about sin? Yeah. Yeah. It's a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. Because it was sin that put Jesus on the cross. And yet, if I were to ask you, if I were to ask myself, how many of us have had to stop and ask God forgiveness since last Sunday for some sin we committed? Every hand would go up. We get so complacent about God's forgiveness that sometimes we forget the physical sacrifice that had to be paid so that we could have a forgiveness of sins in our heart. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. I looked up the meaning of that word contrite for you today, for myself as well. Here's the first definition. Bruised, crushed, worn or broken by rubbing. Isn't that an interesting definition? I I didn't expect to find that one in the dictionary. I thought it meant to be filled with sorrow, but it says to be bruised, to be crushed. Well, how does that happen? Well, usually you get bruised Uh, when something heavy falls on you or impacts you crushed well that's pretty easy I'll tell you we were over at Union working and Andrew handed me a piece of plywood down from a height, and it went right through my hands and landed right on the top of my foot and I'm sitting there going oh my it didn't say any bad words praise God But I'll tell you what, it was a week before that thing got straightened out. You know why? Because a heavy object fell on me. When is the last time that you ever got alone just you and God? And allowed the heaviness... Not of every sin that you've ever done, we have this tendency to go back into the graveyard of forgiven sins and dig things up that God has forgiven us. That's that's wrong. No Christian belongs in the graveyard of forgiven sins. God never treads there. Amen? They are buried. God has put them away because he paid for them. Don't you go digging them up. You got enough on your record from Sunday to bruise you, to crush you, to wear you out. It says by rubbing. How about your knees on the floor? Amen. It does you good to bend your knees in prayer. It's a universal token of humility and submission, is it not? And that's what God is looking for. That is a spiritual sacrifice. God does not want us to walk around and say, Oh, how horrible I am. I'm not a very good Christian. I'm such a miserable he forgave me for every sin that I've ever sinned. Amen? He's made me righteous in Him. But I still fail Him. That's why 1 John 1, 1.9 is in your Bible. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But if you want to offer a sacrifice that is pleasing to God, allow... Just a little of the understanding of that offense and that sorrow and that pain. Most of the songs that are written about that, there's one that, uh, uh, bluegrass song says, every time you sin, you take a hammer and nail him to the cross again. And I'm sitting there going, that's blasphemous. Jesus only died once. Amen? But you know, you want to offer a sacrifice that would be spiritually acceptable to God? A little sign for your own sin, for the sins of our nation, for the wickedness that is in this world. That would be a sacrifice that would be acceptable unto God. That's why on the fourth Sunday of the month we, we pray for our leaders. And I honestly do not know what it is to pray for a leader who actually would love God and want to do what God wants to do in our wonderful state in which we live. We haven't had anybody like that in a generation, have we? But I still pray for them. And it wouldn't hurt to offer a little mourning for the state of things in this state before a holy God. Because He will listen. That doesn't mean we're going to get a Christian governor or mayor. But let me tell you something it's a sacrifice acceptable unto God. It's something that we ought to be doing as a church and as individuals. Sunday night, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5.4, Blessed are those that, what? Mourn, for they shall be comforted. How many times has it been the tears of a broken heart over an unsafe friend or family member, that God has moved them to salvation. And there's no more comfort than that, now is there? Amen? You see, the Bible says if we'll take care of that broken heart and contrite spirit, and back in Psalm 51... Look at verse 19 or verse 18. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. You know, David was still looking forward to the temple being built. There was no temple in Jerusalem at this time. In fact, even all the articles of the tabernacle were not set up in one place. The ark was in a tent in Jerusalem and the altars and the, the rest of it was in Shiloh that had been there since the days of Samuel. It, it wasn't a very good time. And, and David finally had to step back and say, God, you will do your good in your good time. You know how much peace you could have in your life if you stopped trying to help God figure out what he ought to do? Amen? And then, He will accept those sacrifices. They will be pleasing Him. Because why? The spiritual reality that makes them real is on the inside. And it matches what we do on the outside. Amen? Wow, we're running out of time here. But we're almost done. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. And this is a verse that should be familiar to everyone here. Romans chapter 12. And Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your... What's that next word? I love that word. Reasonable. God's not asking too much from us when He asked us to give Him our all. You know, someone I've had people over the years and they've just argued with this thing. Well, what's it mean to surrender to God? Do I have to become a preacher like you? Well, listen, if everybody was a preacher, who would the preachers preach to? You see, that's the whole idea of being built up this... Uh, uh, spiritual houses every one of us has a part every one of us is fulfilling that, that office that God has called us to and by staying put and being right where the builder put us all of a sudden we're not just a pile of stones we're a building that's serviceable amen a spiritual house you see We live in a very wicked world, do we not? But we're not supposed to be of the world. We're not supposed to face our problems the same way the world faces its problems. We're not supposed to deal with things. I think of uh, the story of Esther, and we'll just use that for an example so we can move on quickly. This morning is, what did Esther finally do? She finally gave up, didn't she? She said, I will go to the king and plead for the lives of the Jewish people. And if I perish, I perish. Then God used her, didn't he? Are we together? It's only when we give up our all that God can use us. That's a sacrifice that God will accept. God will use anyone who is willing to be used of Him. First, you give your sin-sick soul to God in salvation. Allow the burden of our failures and our inabilities to break our spirit. To wear out our heart by rubbing against The truth of God's Word, so that we are no longer resistant to the truths in God's Word but obedient to them. Amen? Then we can present our bodies and God can do something with them. Please don't raise hands, but think about this. How many of us in this room have had a part? In seeing someone saved. In leading someone to the Lord. There's no greater joy. Do you think that if you offered yourself and pleaded with God to bring another soul to Him that He would not hear that prayer, that He would not accept that sacrifice? He won't if you haven't taken care of the first things first. But if you will surrender to Him and present that body, let's go to Luke chapter 6 and we'll be done. God will accept those sacrifices. Those are the sacrifices that we're to offer to Him. We, We work together as a church uh, to do this corporately and individually. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give... And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet withal shall it be measured to you again. And he spake a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? And so Jesus is preaching here, and and he says, listen. Don't waste your time trying to straighten everybody else out. Straighten you out. The idea of being merciful is not surrendering my relationship with God to anyone or anything ever. And then being able to share God with that person. Amen? Amen? You see... There's nothing you can give God that He will not bless in a far greater way. God wants us to offer those spiritual sacrifices. Why? So He can bless us. So He can use us. I don't know how many preachers over the years have said something about our little church here that I've met as in my travels. How did that all happen in your little church in New York City? And, and sometimes, especially pastors of, uh, of much larger churches said, you know, it, it, it's hard to surrender to pastor a little church way out in the country, but you've got a little church in a great big city. I said, well... We're gonna to give to God what He's given to us. And God will take who He's given to us and He will mold us together. The local church is the body of Christ. And guess what? We could use lots of additions, couldn't we? We could use a lot more people helping along. You gotta get saved. Submit spiritual, I mean, biblical baptism. And it says, and they followed in the apostles' doctrine. That's the only thing that we ask of anybody who joins our church. Amen? But then comes that process of getting rid of me. That's where the broken and the contrite spirit come in. Then God's going to ask you to do some things. But I'll tell you what, how many of you could give a testimony and say, I surrendered to the Lord and He has blessed my life because of my surrender. Whether it be in the singing of the hymns, whether it be in the putting of money in the offering plate. You know, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but we're going to do something here. We're going to have some music lessons for those that would like them that aren't part of the groups. We'll figure that out somehow, maybe after church on a Sunday night or something. But, listen, as your pastor, my job is to give you enough of this book that you can act on it. That's what preaching is. And together, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices that God will say, I am pleased to receive. Then we function as a church. Then we're doing what God wants us to do. That's one of the reasons of of the theme this year. I want us to think especially about that. And, and how that we can get involved as individuals and corporately together. You never give to get. God doesn't make deals. He's not a slot machine. He, you cannot say, well, God, I, I just want to have a nice life, so I'm going to give it to you. God's not going to do, honor that sacrifice. God, my life is a mess and there's no other place to go. So I'll give it to you. I'll tell you my personal testimony. I could have never imagined the journey that God has brought me on as, from a 16 year old boy when I surrendered to be a preacher. If you'd have told me some of the things that, that the Lord has done here at our church and all the craziness over at Union in the last two years, if I'd known about that then, I'd probably curled up in a little ball and just stayed there. But you know something? God wants to use us. He wants to use us in extraordinary ways. He wants to do things that so when the world looks, they just simply say, that doesn't make sense to me. Must be God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony? That's one that each one of us can have. If we'll surrender to offer up those spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. If you are saved and not baptized, would you just simply say, okay God, I'm going to obey your word and I'm going to get baptized. If You're not saved. Would you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? He'll save you right now. He'll save you forever. You know, it's a sacrifice in time to make it to church services. I understand that. But one of the things that would make it much more pleasant is if we said, God, I'm going to come to church because of you, not for any other reason all of a sudden it'd be a different place. Your preacher would improve incredibly. Not because he anything about me, but because you'll now have the spiritual basis to work together. I could go on. That's part of being a preacher, amen. But The question is, where are you in this process? This is why God has you on earth, is to offer these spiritual sacrifices to him. Praise God, it's not a physical sacrifice. Praise God, we don't have to take animals and kill them anymore. And go through that process. Because Jesus Christ is a sacrifice. But it wouldn't hurt to sit down and just meditate on all the suffering that Jesus went through so that I could be saved. Amen? It wouldn't hurt for me to sit there and say, God, I've never won a soul to you, or it's been too long. I want to offer myself to bring somebody to Jesus. Tell you what, God will accept that. He'll do it. It will cost you something, but that's what sacrifice is. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would burn into our souls the reality of this truth. And Lord, we would not just relegate it to the area of the ethereal, the mystical But Lord, that we would understand there are real and physical things that we can do to bring about these spiritual sacrifices, both in our personal lives and Lord, to be a partaker in that which is being done at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We ask you to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The Hymn of Invitation 294. If you need to come and pray, don't wait for the song. Just step out of your seat. The altar is open. Let's sing this morning. And if you need to come, now is the time. Just as I am without one plea, but that Thy blood was she-